This is Matt. I'm the lead pastor at Westminster Baptist Church. Thanks for engaging God's word with us. My prayer for you is that this would be supplemental to your discipleship journey. Uh, If we can connect you with a local church or discipleship group, uh, please contact us at info at discoverwbc.com. Jesus is saving you, he's pleading for you, and he's completing that salvation for you. This morning, I want to look at uh, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 11 through 28 with you and be able to walk away knowing that Jesus, our forgiver, is also praying for us. Jesus, our forgiver, is also praying for us. So what is Jesus praying for you? Right now, this morning, when you were sleeping and then you woke up, what has Jesus been praying for you throughout the day as you've been walking, talking, driving, experiencing different things? What has Jesus been praying for you? Because he's been praying for you. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25 says, Therefore he is able to save completely those who come to God through him, since he always lives to intercede for them. Between salvation on earth and eternity with God, Jesus is pleading. He's pleading with the Father that we would have a completed salvation, that we would come to where He wants us to be, not where we want to be or where the world wants us to be or where our spouse wants us to be or where our family wants us to be or our job wants us to be, but where God has for us. The the Son, Jesus Christ, is praying to the Father that you would come to completion. He's interceding for you. And so I want to ask you, while he's interceding, interceding, pleading, praying, while he's praying for you, pleading with the Father, what is he pleading? And are you praying what is in your heart? Or, as C.S. Lewis would say, are you praying what ought to be in your heart? Those are two different things, and David in the Psalms shows us this pretty clearly when he, when he puts all, all of it out there in the book of Psalms, and he tells us exactly what's on his heart. As he's praying to the Father, we get a behind-the-scene glimpse into his journal almost to see what is actually going on in his heart. And there's a difference, right? So in one situation, maybe you're praying for patience in your life. God, give me patience. Okay, that's what you ought to have. But what about what is really there? What about that David-type prayer? What about when you say, okay, God, I was impatient with this person, or I'm angry with this person, and I want, you to, I want you to know, Father, who I'm angry at. I don't want good for them. In fact, I want them to suffer a bit. And being raw and real about it, like, I don't want them to have good. And sometimes, God, I want to cheat. Sometimes I want to lie. That honesty, not just, God, make me truthful, but God, see my heart for as it is. Why? Because Jesus is already praying for it anyways. He is praying for you right now. What is he praying for? He might actually be praying for unity in your heart with the brothers and sisters in this room. Maybe he's praying for good things like that you would battle for him, like sharing the gospel, going to war for those who are in sin and struggle. Maybe he's praying that you would preach the gospel in a clear way this week to somebody that he is going to reach. But maybe he's praying for a struggle that you have, a sin in your heart, a temptation that you've been fighting against. And Jesus is going to the Father, pleading with the Father to pour out his spirit in you, to give you the strength to overcome and to forgive you when you don't. You see, the people around you and in your life, they can only know what you give them, what they see in you. 
but Jesus knows everything. So he's not just praying for what you ought to be, but he's praying to forgive you of what you are, what you really are struggling with. And so as we walk through this passage, I want you to see Jesus as the author of Hebrews portrays him to be this eternal, wonderful, perfect Savior, but also as your Savior, personally praying for you, even while you were sleeping. In chapter 7, verses 11 through 28, it says this, Now if perfection came through the Levitical priesthood, for on the basis of it the people received the law, what further need was there for another priest to appear? said to be according to the order of Melchizedek and not according to the order of Aaron. For when there is a change of the priesthood, there must be a change of the law as well. So I want you to stop there and see this first. Jesus is perfect while humans are imperfect. And we need a Savior who is perfect and not imperfect because you don't want to be taken to imperfection. You want to be completed to perfection. And probably the people around you. Parents, your kids are longing for you to be the righteous son that Jesus has already declared you to be. Patient, loving, caring, kind, honest, disciplining, but good. And as you're becoming that person, that man or woman that God has created you to be, as you're becoming that person, Jesus is pleading with the Father, but you don't want an imperfect Savior. You want a perfect one. It says, if perfection came through the Levitical priesthood, What further need was there for another priest? But we know that humans aren't perfect, right? And so if we're always looking to a human for our own perfection, then we're always going to fall short. Because look, y'all, I can't take you there. I, I can't take you to perfection because I'm not perfect. Because I'm an imperfect pastor, I can't lead you to be a perfect person. And I believe that God pours out wisdom through pastors and, and, and good blessings and gifts through pastors to you. And I hope that we can give good biblical counsel, but we're always going to be leading you back to this one. To verse 12, the change of the priesthood. To the one who's eternal and perfect. It says there must be a change of law as well because as you shift from imperfect people to perfect people, you all of a sudden see the Savior, Jesus Christ, in John chapter 1 where it says He took the Word and made it flesh. In other words, He took what we could read and He put it on display for us. Here's how you live love, dads. Here's how you live love, moms, coworkers. Here's how you live like Jesus, like the Word made flesh. So we can see it and live like it. He shows us the new way of life, the new law, as it says in verse 12. It's a changed law. But verse 13 and 14 show us that it doesn't just need to be a changed law. It has to be a new individual. It can't be any high priest before him. Verse 13, for the one these things are spoken about belong to a different tribe. No one from it has served at the altar. Now it is evident that our Lord came from Judah and Moses said nothing about that tribe concerning priest. So that is that Jesus comes from a new way. Not only is he bringing a new way, but he comes in a different way. He doesn't come the way they thought he would come. He comes a different way. And sometimes in our life we think like, okay, this is where I'm going to find help. This is where I'm going to go to get counsel. This is where I'm going to, you know, things are going to be right if I could just get a hold of this, Matt. If I can just do this, things are going to be good. But what happens is we miss the way for all these other ways. 
that a new way was created for us through a perfect and eternal Savior so that we can find this way and go with it. But it's different. It's, it's not the norm. It's not what they expected. It's a different tribe. And for them, that meant, you know, it came down the line from Aaron. They thought it was going to come from Aaron. I know this is kind of technical, but it came down. They thought it was going to come through the tribe of Aaron, but yet it comes over from this tribe of Judah. And, and they, what they're pointing out is it came a different way than you thought. You didn't expect it to come this way. But who are we as humans to go, well, it should have come this way because we're imperfect. And we just are really good as humans at doing that. Like, no, 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 Jesus, this is the way I ought to live my life. This is the way I should do things. But look at what verse 15 says. And this becomes clear if another priest like Melchizedek appears, who did not become a priest based on a legal regulation about physical descent, but based on the power of an indestructible life. Oh, okay, so this is actually better. You see that verse, right? Because actually, I don't think I do want somebody who comes about by physical descent. I would like that person that comes about by the power of indestructible life. That sounds pretty awesome. You know what I'm saying? It's, here, let me give you an example of this. And you guys can be totally honest. All right, Jesus over here, Matt over here. Who are you choosing? Let's go every time. I hope, I hope you guys erupt with, I'm choosing Jesus, right? The people in this book are struggling with, are we going to take Matt or Jesus? Because Matt comes from the line of Aaron. Because Matt's got all the priestly garb on him. Looks like a pastor. Sounds like a pastor. But Jesus over there, man, Jesus hangs out with the sinners. Jesus, I mean, he's, he's always with those people that are making all the mistakes. And in fact, if you looked at his disciples, they struggle too. That's that Jesus guy. I don't think we want him. Yet, what does that passage say again? What does this verse say? In indestructible life. Y'all don't want the person from the physical descent. I'd like that person from the power of an indestructible life that happens to be Jesus. And no, he didn't come the way they thought he would. But I think there's a better way. And sometimes the better way isn't super obvious to us. But if it comes like the power of an indestructible life, I'll go that way every single time. So I just need to trust in my God. Sometimes I need to go, I don't understand. This doesn't make sense, but I'm going to go with this way. And look, I understand. So maybe even Hebrews 7 doesn't make a ton of sense. Maybe you're going through here like Melchizedek and all these different rules and regulations. All these, this doesn't really make sense to me. But you know, it, it might not. There might be a point where you're just like, man, this is really complex and all these different things. Here's what I'd ask you to do. Would you look to Jesus as the perfect, eternal Savior? When you're broken and hurt, when, you, when, you're, being, when you're being what you shouldn't be, when you're struggling with impatience, you're angry, lustful, cheating, lying, all those different things. When you feel like you're in that place in your life and you're looking for some help, I'm just asking, would you look at the one who has the power of indestructible life? No matter how it's said, would you look at that one? And verse 17 says, For it has been testified, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. So the previous command is annulled because it was weak. Y'all, it was weak. Verse 18, was weak and unprofitable for the law perfected nothing. Now, you can't look at that passage and go, okay, you know, maybe we should just get rid of the law because that's actually not what this passage is saying. What the passage is saying is the law can't perfect you. And I'll give you a clear example of this. If you're a parent, right, you tell your kids, hey, it'd be really good if you did not touch that fire. What are they going to go do? They're like, oh, hold on. Let me see how hot it is here, Dad. Like, no, you really shouldn't touch Unless they're firstborns. Firstborns won't touch it. But the second one's like, woo, 
<laughs> Let's fill this thing out a little bit, Dad. I don't know. What do you think? And you're like, you shouldn't do that because the law can't make you perfect, right? I can't stand here and go, hey, you guys, when you leave here, I don't want any of you to desire something that somebody else has. Take it right out of this, uh, out of here, and you're going to see on your left a giant, beautiful center console boat. <laughs> you know what I'm talking You already saw it. See? <laughs> right? It's an inclination of our heart. Just because I say don't want that doesn't mean you're going to go, okay, I shouldn't want it. He's right. <laughs> Pastor Matt said it. Not, I don't want it anymore. No, that's not going to happen, right? Laws don't perfect us. That's why this verse says, for the law perfected nothing, because, it, because we're weak, y'all. Look at verse 18. The previous command is annulled because it was weak. It can't make you perfect. You know, the law, though, was we're talking about big, uh, big law, like all the law of the Old Testament. It said what not to do. And then it said what to do if you do that. All right. And it's going to talk about that in here in a second. Basically, it's this. If you do something wrong, here's what you can do right to cover that. Or here's what somebody else can do right to cover that. And usually it was sacrifices. So the high priest would make a sacrifice and it would cover you and now you didn't have that guilt upon you, all right? What this verse is saying is that can't make you perfect. It can only forgive you temporarily. So Jesus comes not just to forgive you temporarily, but also to free you for eternity so that you might be completed into eternity. So it says, verse 19, the next portion, but a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. So what, what could not save us, now we have hope that there is something that can save us. You know, and I want to put that more practically. What could not make you patient again, now there's something that can. Let me make it maybe even more practical. What couldn't make you so frustrated at your little girl when she says something and it angers you and you respond in a way that you didn't want to respond or to your spouse, you say something and you didn't want to respond that way and you're like, I want to stop doing that. Y'all, the law could not change that. What I'm saying is there is a better hope. And in that hope, it's actually drawing us nearer to the heart of the father who is patient with his children because I happen to be a child of his and I know his temperament towards me. And now as I grow in my temperament towards my family, I'm, I'm growing closer to the temperament of my father. So there's a better hope here. In verse, verse, uh, verse 20, none of this happened without an oath for others became priest without an oath, but he became a priest with an oath made by the one who said to him, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. And this is so critical, y'all. I, I know it's, it's talking some, about some legalities here, but, but the point is this. You need, as we've said, an eternal savior, not a temporary savior, because a temporary band-aid on struggles in your life just doesn't work. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't put a Band-Aid on something that's, that's gushing blood and think that it's going to fix it. It's just not going to fix it. We don't need a temporary Savior. You can't put a Band-Aid on your marriage, y'all. The Band-Aid will come off at some point. It's not going to fix your marriage. We don't need Band-Aids for our marriage. We don't need Band-Aids for our life. We need something that can fix us for eternity, not temporarily. So we need an eternal Savior. So he took an oath to say, you're a priest forever. Look at verse 22. Because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantee of a better covenant, a better relationship with the Father, something that is better than what we had before. Because before we had this relationship through the high priest, now we have a relationship to Jesus, the, the Son of God, who is God in the flesh. Now we know the Father directly. I've got a better covenant. 
a covenant that tells me I'm not just forgiven, but I'm free to live according to what God has called me to do. And he's living in me to make me do what I'm called to do. Like he's working in me, giving me strength to do these things. I got a better covenant. Verse 23, now many have become Levitical priests since they are prevented by death from remaining in office. But because he remains forever, he holds his priesthood permanently. And y'all, have you ever, I experienced this firsthand when I was in, uh, when I was 15 years old, I broke my shoulder, lots of different places, tore all sorts of different muscles. We had to go to a specialized doctor. Uh, it was the Atlanta Falcons, like doctor, like it was, it was messed up, y'all. I was trying to get back to where I could throw the football because I wanted to play quarterback. And, you know, over time, I got insight, wisdom on what I should do and all those different things. But that doctor actually uh, found out he had cancer and passed away. And so it's a real life example of what, what I think sometimes we struggle with is that the, the people who are supposed to heal us can't heal themselves. Even doctors pass away. You know, you, you, you may be struggling from a disease or struggling from illness, or maybe you will one day, and, and we're going to look to humans to help us in those things. But the reality is all humans are going to pass away. We need a Savior who doesn't pass away. We, we need Jesus not to, to die forever because we need somebody that when we die lives on because we need eternity and we're just temporary beings here. We struggle, we, we die, we have health problems and all those different issues. We need somebody who doesn't. And so Hebrews is making the point that if you want a temporary high priest to save you, you'll get temporary salvation. But if you'll look to Jesus, what we're looking to is eternal, not temporary. So he continues... And then, sorry, that's the guarantee of the better covenant. That's the guarantee that they are saved completely. Verse 25, therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him, since he always lives to intercede for them. And I'm going to read through the rest of the verse and then come back to this. For this is the kind of high priest we need, holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners and exalted above the heavens. He doesn't need to offer sacrifices every day as high priests do, first for their own sins, then for those of the people. He did this once for all time when he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priest men who are weak, but the promise of the oath which came after the law points a son who has been perfected forever. Perfect forever. Perfect forever. That's your Savior. Perfect. Perfect and forever. That's what we need. And so I, the reason I wanted to read through that is because this is the point of what he's been working to for the past few chapters that I asked you to wait for. If you remember a few chapters ago, and, and as we've worked through this, what I said was, hey, just be patient with me because there's, there's something coming. And, he, and here's what I wanted to share with you is that, you know, over the past few chapters, we've asked, what happens when you fail? What happens when you fall away? And Hebrews chapter 6 is hard, man. It's hard to wrestle with because when you think about those loved ones, or even in yourself, and you wrestle with those things, you're like, man, am I falling away? Or have they fallen away? And It's a hard thing to wrestle through chapter 6. But Hebrew, really Hebrews, the whole the book is really pushing us to, it's a warning. Like, don't continue in sin. It's a warning like, like hey, you got to get it together because what you're doing is hurting people. And it is a tough warning to go through the book of Hebrews. You're like, man, I have got to get my act together. And I think when you go through chapter six, you're like, man, I don't even know if I'm saved. I mean, seriously, when you work through that, you're like, am I that? 
Or is my friend that? Or is my sibling that? You know, somebody I love that? And so what I wanted to show you is that because Jesus is perfect and because he is forever, we get to verse 25. That word, therefore, it, but basically what it's saying is based on all these truths, I want to tell you the, the result. I want to tell you what I've been trying to tell you. Because Jesus is eternal and he's your high priest and he's forever, this is what he is able to do. He is able to save completely those who come to God through him. To save completely. Because you know what that means, right? That means that wherever you are in the journey towards complete, being completed, he's still working for you. He's not done with you. He's able to save you completely. And you might feel right now like, man, I am partial. Like, I am not complete, Matt. I understand. Like, you, well, some of us are like at the, at the shop still. And, and we're like a truck that's broken down, still in the shop being worked on. You're like, man, I'm, I'm still missing an alternator, man. I, I got a couple pistons that have been blown. And, and you're going to have to replace some, my train, the whole transmission. Like, I'm struggling, Matt. Yeah, but Jesus is in there with you. I think sometimes what we think is like Jesus came and lived the life that he that we couldn't live, died the death that we should have died, raised from the dead, and he's so that we can raise too. But in between that death and resurrection, we're like, okay, he ascended into heaven, and one day he's coming back. Which is all truth. But you gotta remember that in between the ascension into heaven and him coming back to you, he is still working on your behalf. Like, it's not like he just went up there and chilled. He's like chilling beside the father. And he's just like, okay, let's see what they do. Let's see how this thing turns out. He actually sent the Holy Spirit into your hearts so that you can do what is good. And he's praying to the father that you will do what is good. And when you don't, that you will be forgiven. So Jesus is still working for you. And why I'm telling you that is because some of, some of us, including myself, are still struggling. We're not perfect. I, I'm far from it. And because I'm far from it, it's good to know that Jesus is still forgiving me and still praying for me. Even when I don't pray what is in my heart, I pray what ought to be in my heart. Even when that happens, he's still praying what's in my heart. You know? And it says, it doesn't just say this. It says he's able to save completely those who come to God through him. And then it says this word since, which since means that it's like uh, um, this is possible because of this. So he's able to save you completely since he's alive. He's living to pray for you, plead for you. That word, it really means he's just pleading for you to the father. And he's alive to do this. Like he's, he's living to do this. He's, he's living in heaven, praying for you, pleading with the father. For your good. How good is it to know that Jesus is in heaven praying for you right now? No matter what you're struggling with, teenagers, kids, adults, wherever you are in your life. Maybe you're like, man, I'm 70 years old and I'm never going to change. Maybe you feel like, you know, I'm 50, Matt. The way I treat my spouse, the way my spouse treats me, it's just not going to change. The way I treat my kids, it's just not going to change. Don't try to change me. I am just who I am. Well, that's not what Jesus is praying for. Odd moment when we get to heaven, or actually when heaven gets to us, odd moment when, Je when Jesus comes to us and he's like, hey, I've been praying for you. I've been praying for you in your, in, in your struggle with anger. 
and your group around you is like, what? You didn't tell us you were struggling with that. It's going to be odd, you know, odd moments when, when he's like, man, I've been praying for that lust that you were struggling with. And, you're like, and everybody around, you know, your spouse is like, what? Like, I didn't even know this. Because what we do is we pray for what ought to be in our heart rather than what is in our heart. And what I, I want to challenge you with today is to pray what is in your heart. Because Jesus is already praying for you. And together, as we are honest with what we are struggling with to the Father, and as Jesus is, is, is pleading with the Father that for forgiveness and for freedom in your life, so you won't be uh, controlled by that temptation. As that's working together, as the Holy Spirit is working in you, that God would bring you to completion. You know, Paul even prays this, that he would bring you to completion on the day of Christ Jesus. And this passage tells us that Jesus is able to save you completely. He's not done with you. And he's only not done with you because he's perfect and complete. If he was imperfect and temporary, then he might be finished because I can't take you there. And neither could the high priest, but Jesus can. And so men and women don't feel like he's done. He's not finished with you. You know, I think about what is Jesus praying for me? And, and I could tell you he's generally praying for me these things, but, but I want to tell you what he's praying for, what I believe he's probably praying for me. I struggle with patience. If, you're, if you are a, a parent, you know what that's like, right? I sometimes struggle with that with, with my kids, with my family, with my staff. In like real raw ways, like frustrating ways, I get impatient and I want things to be done the way I want them to be done and I want them to be done quick. Now, honestly, I don't think that's my name. I don't think my name's impatience. I don't think I'm defined by impatience. I believe that God is overcoming that in me. It's a temptation in my life, but it's not a sin that's going to cause me to, uh, that feels like it's going to cause me to be at a place where I'm not good with the Father. He's working in my life and I'm honest with my D group and honest with those around me who are working in my life. I believe that I am often mean. And I'm, and I'm just going to be raw with you. I, I want to be raw because I, I want you to know that when I ask you what's going on in your heart, what, what, what Jesus is praying for you, and will you be honest with your D group, this is nothing I haven't shared with my D group, nothing my wife doesn't know. This is nothing new to anybody who's close to me and working with me in my own life. But oftentimes what I'll do, and this is just reality, I'll use jokes, humor, to hurt people. And I'd like to say that it's not intentionally, but the reality is it is. Why? Because I make myself God. What I do is, I, if I can make fun of somebody else, then people will laugh at it, and then it makes me look good, right? Because I can be my own little God. I can use humor to hurt people, and it make people laugh. That's sin. Now, I believe that God's conquering that in me, and I'm, I'm actively working on it. My D group is praying for me, and account, holding me accountable to it, and I've confessed it to my staff because they see it so clearly, because they're with me every day. And the truth is, I'm not just those things. I'm also anxious. I struggle with it. But it's not my name, and it doesn't define me. It's not the sin that's going to overtake me because Christ has overtaken it, and he's controlling it in me. Like Romans 8 says, I'm not a slave to this sin, but I'm being honest with you. It's a temptation. Because just a couple years ago, I was in the hospital with it. The reality is, anxiety has been a part of my life. And look, I know 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety on him, for he cares for you. I've repeated it some nights over and over and over. I know Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is close to the broken heart and saves those who are crushed in spirit. I know it's sin oftentimes what anxiety does to me. And I'm fighting. 
It's in a temptation in my life. I don't think it's overtaken me. But it's not, it doesn't stop there. I was a man who struggled with lust. But I don't feel like it overtakes me. And I don't feel like it's consumed me. And I really feel like I found victory there. But that doesn't mean that I'm not often tempted. That doesn't mean that there might be a day where I'm tempted again. But I do believe I found victory. And I've got men around me in my life. And things set up in my life where I'm not going to fall back into that sin. Amen. Amen. But brothers and sisters, I'm not perfect. Jesus is. Not only that, man, it goes, there's a list of things, man. I, recently, I've been wrestling with contentment. I want to be a content man. I want to be, I want to love what I have and not need more. I want to have it, you know, be thankful for what I have. And, and if I don't have something, know that Father doesn't want it for me right now. I just want to be a content man. And I've been working on that. And I'm not, honestly, I'm not even sure that I found complete victory in that, but I'm at least working. And I know and I can confess it to you that I'm not, I'm not going to let it overtake me. I'm going to let Jesus conquer that in me. But these are realities of what I struggle with that I think, honestly, Jesus is probably praying for me. What is he praying for you? And, you know, even through sharing these things, here's what I know. I'm weak. So I need Jesus because he's strong, perfect, and eternal. And if those things are true, then I'm not finished. I don't have to give up today. And you don't either. And, you, and I say this often, but I believe this is so true because every time I meet with somebody, they've been struggling with, with something for years and we don't come to it when we ought to come to it because something causes us to cloak it. But here's what I want. I want you to hear this. I, man, I hope you feel this too. The only person that it matters to, the only person that it really matters to already knows the sin in your life. Because Jesus is the only one that can condemn you or bring you into eternity forever. This life is so short. And in this life, you can make so many decisions that will impact your future, your forever. I want to encourage you today as you walk through life to realize that the one who could judge you already knows you and loves you. The one, the only person in this room that can act, what, not, not person in this room, the only person who can actually judge me fully accepts me. So why can I not share with you what I struggle with? And I hope that I can encourage you to share. Share with each other. Share with your Savior. He's not surprised. He's not going to be surprised when you come to him and you're like, I hate that person. I want bad for them. He's not going to be surprised. You. And I'm being real. When you're like driving down the road and you're like, God, I have a rage to this person. Like I actually want to wreck them. And I, I know that's like, that's a reality that people go through. Road rage. He's not going to be surprised when you're like, I don't think I even actually love my spouse anymore. He's not surprised when you do these things, like when you're like, I hate my job and I don't care that you want me to do it, God. It doesn't surprise him. So don't hold it back from him. And the reason for it is because if anybody's going to uh, prevent your completion, it's you. It's not Jesus. He's working to complete it in you. Hebrews chapter 6 is clear. If someone's going to stop the completion process, the salvation in your life, it's not Jesus. He loves you. He's working for you and he's praying for you every single day. So stop fighting against him. As the band comes forward, I want to give you three gospel or two gospel responses this morning. 
These are ways that you can respond to the truth that Jesus Christ loves you and he forgives you. Because today, if you are in here and you're like, Matt, I'm like you. Man, I've had so many people today and it's been so encouraging just coming to me and be like, man, I struggle with the same things, man. It's just good to know you're not perfect. Right, guys, as an imperfect man in front of you, here's what, I, here's what I'm asking you to do in response to the gospel. Pray in Jesus' name. And the reason I say it that way is this. As you pray in Jesus' name, here's what that looks like. Jesus, I understand that you're praying for me and I want to pray with you for what you're praying for. Your prayers are going to shift from what you would pray for to what he would pray for you. And now I'm looking at my life like, what is he praying for me? And I want to pray that. What if my God's praying for me to be mobilized missionally across the world? Am I praying for that? Am I praying that, my, that I would be sacrificially loving my bride as I ought to? Because he's praying that for me, that it would be a picture of the gospel to the community that surrounds us. Am I praying with Jesus against my impatience, against anger, against any of these things that I might struggle with and you might struggle with? Are you praying in Jesus' name? Are you praying for your name? Are you praying for your fame? Are you praying for your good? Are you just praying what you want? Pray in Jesus' name. Jesus, I need your help because I am. Insert whatever you want here. And look, y'all, sometimes prayers, is, it can be hard to just stay uh, committed to prayer life. Maybe you're like, Matt, I, I pray one minute and I'm just distracted. So here's a really practical tip for you this week. Get a piece of paper or a journal. If you don't have a journal, I'll buy you one. We'll get you one. Get a journal and write in it your prayers. It's a lot harder to get distracted when you're writing down something. You're just writing in there. Here's, man, God, here's what I'm struggling with this week. You know my heart. You know what I'm struggling with. Here's, here it is, Jesus. And, and clearly communicating where you're at. This is my heart, Father. And my second, my second challenge to you is this, is would you find comfort in the forgiveness of Jesus? Because, you know, it's one thing to, to share with brothers and sisters what you're struggling with and you're wrestling with in your life, the temptations and the sin, no matter where they are and how bad they are. Like just this week, I, I've struggled. I said something to one of my staff members that I shouldn't have said. It wasn't kind. It was funny, but it wasn't kind. And these are the struggles that we have. Like, these are real life struggles that you might have. But here's what I can do. I can rest in the eternal forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And so, you know, I'll close with this. I, I hope that when you look at me, and I know you don't because I know, I know you've probably seen my sins more than me, but I hope that when you look at me, you don't see a perfect man. You see a man who's following the Savior and that only because of him can I stand in front of you. Otherwise, there's no way I should be up here. So if you're going to follow me, know that the only reason I think I'm, I'm probably living is because of the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And the only reason I can be married to a wonderful woman like this is because of the mercy of Jesus Christ. The only reason I can lead my kids to love Jesus is because he's changed me. And I believe he can change you too. I'm not the perfect example, but I know who is. And if you'll follow me to him, I'll lead you there. I'm going to pray for you, and I hope this is your story, too. Father, we love you. 
We need you so desperately. We need your son, Jesus Christ, to pray for us and your spirit to live in us because we are weak. Laws can't save us. Rules don't save us. Even accountability can't save us. We need you. So I pray, God, that you would heal broken hearts, dysfunctional families, struggling men and women in this room. Father, whatever you want to do, we are your people. We are here to be completed, forgiven and completed into whatever you want for us, whatever your design is for our hearts and our mouths and our actions, whatever you want for us, would you complete that in us? Because we can't do it. So God, we love you and we trust you in your son's name. Amen you have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more about following after Jesus, uh, please contact us and we would love to talk more about your relationship with Christ and how you can grow in your spiritual journey.